You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, brought to you by HoosierProud.com. Well, your Hoosiers continued their late-season resurgence last night by dominating the Iowa Hawkeyes 95-73 to in a game that, frankly, didn't even feel that close. Indiana went down by one point early in the second half, and then the Hoosiers were simply magnificent the rest of the way, burying Frisky Fran and his Hawkeyes beneath an avalanche of brilliant shot selection, refreshing shot making, improved defensive awareness, and transition basketball mastery. The only question coming out of the game for the Hoosiers was, where the hell has that been all season long? I'm your host, Jared Morris, here to discuss all of this and more with you and with Andy Bottoms and possibly Ryan Phillips, uh, my co-host on the Assembly Call IU postgame show, which you can listen to live immediately after every IU basketball game at assemblycall.com. And if you can't listen live, no worries. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts and you will find us. All righty, well, I will begin this week's show, and it will be an abbreviated show today. We're just going for a half hour, uh, but I will begin as we begin every postgame show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And on last night's postgame show, I lauded James Blackman Jr. for his spectacular play that sparked Indiana's second half run. That was the banner moment because James was incredible last night. But instead of repeating myself, I will choose another moment, and it came much earlier in the game. And it was actually the early sequence of possessions uh, during which Deron Davis basically took over the game and sparked the Hoosiers after their sluggish start. On one possession, Deron was as patient as he's ever been in the post, holding his position, waiting for what seemed like an eternity before making an attempt at the rim and scoring. On the next possession, he alertly grabbed a loose ball and scored. That tied the game at 13-13 after Iowa had jumped out to the early lead. And soon thereafter, Duran punctuated his excellent early play with his brilliant OG Ananobi impression turning a half-court steal into a breakaway bucket uh, just minus the 360-degree dunk. You know, we know that Duran is an important part of IU's future, but he's also an essential part of the present if Indiana is going to make any kind of serious noise in the Big Ten tournament this weekend. Last night, he was exactly the spark that Indiana needed and will need again tonight against Wisconsin. All righty, well, let me introduce my esteemed co-host. To my left, we have the host of Bracketology.fm and the world's number one ranked bracketologist, according to Bracketmatrix.com. So as you can imagine, his schedule right now is crazy. Uh, he is also the president of the Robert Johnson Fan Club. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what was your alternate Bottoms line as we reflect on last night's win over Iowa mere hours after doing the postgame show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's funny to turn around and do one of these so quickly. But, uh, you know, for me, it was it was really the spark the freshman gave off the bench in the first half. I, I think it was a case where uh, you saw Devontae Green come in and make plays. You saw Curtis Jones emerge in a way that we hadn't seen from him in in weeks and, and maybe even months, it felt like. And, and then the solid play from Deron Davis. Uh, that we have have seen quite a bit more over the Big Ten season, but but certainly had waned a little bit in the last couple games. And um, so I thought those guys all provided a great lift. And, and coming out of that Ohio State game, the one question 
uh, that Ryan and I talked about on the postgame show was, well, what happened to the bench in that game? I think they only had three points uh, in that one. And, and, you know, to come out against Iowa and get 35 points out of the reserves uh, was was really a shot in the arm for this team. I think that goes without saying. But I think if you envision this team making any kind of run through the Big Ten tournament, which is a, uh, you know, fantasy land still for uh, most IU fans, I would say, uh, you're going to have to get contributions from those guys because you just aren't going to be able to play guys as many minutes and you want to try to keep guys fresh. And I think coming out of the game uh, last night, you feel good about being able to to steal minutes with these guys and, and maybe even do better than steal minutes, actually be able to build upon uh, momentum that hopefully the starters are able to get. Yep, and to my right, we have a man who threw up 25 reps on the bench press after they removed all the plates from the bar at the Combine, a columnist for TheBigLead.com, and someone who we are currently in talks with Crimson Cast about trading, along with a second-round pick, for a fourth-round pick, simply so that we can get out from under his massive contract. He is Ryan Phillips, and unfortunately, he's not here. So <laughs> there will not be a rant from Ryan, but really, what can you rant about after that, uh, after that performance from Indiana? I suppose the only thing you could rant about, Andy, is, again, the question I asked, where the heck has that been all season long? Because that's, that's the, you, you, know, you walk out of a game like that, and it's like, man, that was great, that was fun. Why couldn't we have been doing that all year? Yeah, there's been a lot of that. I feel like with this team, like even in, in the Northwestern and Ohio State games, it's like you can't even. They've, they've it's gotten to the point where you really can't even enjoy the high points anymore. That it just makes you angry that you haven't seen more of it. So yeah, I think that's a pretty fair commentary on the season at this point. All right, so here's what we're going to do on this abbreviated episode of Assembly Call Radio. We're going to start out by reflecting back more on Indiana's win over Iowa. We're going to look at three key plays that were important in Indiana's victory that you may have missed. And, you know, in a game where you get up by 30 in the second half and there's so many highlights, it can be easy to miss out on some plays earlier in the game that really set the stage for the blowout victory. And so we're going to highlight a few of those. And then in our second segment, we're going to talk about three keys to beating Wisconsin because obviously now the Hoosiers, they play tonight in the Big Ten Tournament quarterfinals against Wisconsin. It's a huge game for a number of reasons, and there are some legitimate reasons to think that even though Tom Crean is you know 2-15 and 15 or 2-17, and 17, whatever it is, against Wisconsin, that the Hoosiers actually have a, a decent chance in this one. And so we're going to talk about the three things that need to go Indiana's way to actually go get that victory. Uh, but first, I do want to take a quick second and tell you about our presenting sponsor, HoosierProud.com. Because if you consider yourself a Hoosier, and not just an IU Hoosier, but someone who is proud to have roots in the great state of Indiana, then you really need to check out HoosierProud.com because they offer a line of t-shirts and accessories that really are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique and stylish way to display their pride in being a Hoosier. Whether that's a stylish sticker that you want to put on your laptop, whether it's a t-shirt design that is truly different from anything that you'll find anywhere else, or even if you want to support the assembly call, because all of our gear uh, is there at HoosierProud.com, our t-shirts, our zip-up hoodies, all of that. Anything that you're interested in, go to HoosierProud.com. They produce high-quality work, they care about their customers, and they take pride in their Indiana roots like we do. So check them out, HoosierProud.com. Use the promo code AC to receive a 15% discount on your entire order. That's promo code AC to receive 15% off at HoosierProud.com. All right, you are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, and we are reflecting back on Indiana's big win last night over Iowa. And Andy, let's go through some really important plays that if you weren't really paying attention and taking copious notes like you and I do <laughs> during the games, uh, you might have missed these plays. But they're really, really important and deserve to not get lost in the shuffle. So uh, I'll go first, and I want to get your thoughts on the importance of this play. 
and, and I, I believe Dan Dockage made note of it when it happened. But, you know, Indiana got up. I think they were up 29 to 19 at one point in the first half, really controlled things. And then Iowa got back into it. And, it, you know, in large part, that was because Indiana did a really poor job of defending Bohannon. He got off some open three-pointers, made them. That got him back into the game. Well, it was 37-36, Indiana clinging to a one-point lead, and you kind of had the feeling that Iowa was about to seize forward, surge forward, and seize the momentum uh, there going into halftime. And so it's only a one-point game, and James Blackman Jr. stepped up and drained a three. And it was late in the shot clock, and actually up until that point, he hadn't scored a whole lot. He wasn't playing terribly. He just hadn't really gotten himself involved too much. But that three-pointer was huge. It put Indiana back up four, helped maintain control heading into halftime, you know, just ensured that all the good work from the first half uh, didn't go to waste. And I thought, even more importantly, it was a precursor to his fantastic second half, almost kind of the shot that got him going. And then he just shot out of the gates in the second half, had 12 points within the first five or six minutes, was fantastic. But I thought that shot, the timing, given the flow of the game, and what it seemed to mean for him in terms of how he would then go on and play. I thought that was a really key moment. Yeah, if I'm looking at the right spot and kind of the, the game notes and the play-by-play, yeah, IU had not scored on the a handful of possessions prior to that. It had a couple of turnovers and, and really did seem to stabilize things a little bit because you know everybody had nightmares to a certain extent of the first Iowa game where IU jumped out to a huge lead, uh, gave that away, and, and really – you know, lost control toward the end of the half, and then things really went off the rails um, thereafter. And so you could kind of see this game in parallel to that. And and that was a big shot because it was, you know, as you said, kind of late in the shot clock, not a whole lot going on. He's a guy who in those situations IU really relies upon and, and definitely came through. And as you said, uh, it set him up for a terrific second half, one of the best halves of basketball that I think he's played since he's been at IU. And it's so essential. I mean, we talked all, especially early in the season, that you know, the biggest thing Indiana needed was that guy who can go get offense when the, the offense is struggling, when you're late in the shot clock. And when Indiana has played well, you know, you think about the Kansas game, the Northwestern or the, the North Carolina game, the Michigan State game, you know, James was a guy taking and making those big shots. And it's no coincidence that his willingness and ability to do that against Iowa coincided with one of the team's best performances. He's that important and he's got to carry that mentality into tonight's game. So that was a big moment. Uh, what other moments stood out to you that was kind of easy to overlook, but no less important than some of the highlights? Yeah, that was one in the first half for me. I talked about the bench and and how these guys really ratcheted up the intensity, it seemed like, as they came onto the floor. I think uh, the play for me that epitomized that was Devontae Green. There was a play. It was around, around 10 and a half minutes left. Uh, Iowa had missed a shot. The ball's just kind of going toward the IU bench. I'm honestly not sure if it would have been IU's ball either way. Um, but, you know, Devontae didn't leave anything to chance goes into the bench, saves it back over his head. Um, just a really good effort play, and, and he wasn't taking anything for granted. And then he came down and hit a three off of you know some some good ball movement on the other end, and that pushed the lead up to 26 to 19 at that point with about 10 minutes left in the half. And so I just thought that play was uh, emblematic, if nothing else, of, of the effort that those guys brought. And it really seemed to feed into other guys. And, and when those guys came in and gave them that lift, it was something they were able to sustain for a good chunk of time in the first half to really build up that lead. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that because one of the other moments that I wanted to mention is kind of similar, you know, and, and it's, it, it shows, again, the importance that these freshmen have and the energy that they brought. And it was in the second half when it was still a close game. It was 55-52 or somewhere around there. And Deron Davis scored on a really nice pass from Blackman. 
and he turns and just runs dead out sprint back to get back on defense. You know, some guys would kind of be celebrating their bucket, uh, you know, maybe not turning and sprinting right away. And, you know, granted, Duran doesn't have the most graceful gait of anybody out there. Uh, you know, and actually looked like he might have been nursing some kind of small injury last night, although it didn't certainly didn't impact his play as he was seven for seven. But I just thought the fact that he had the presence of mind and really just the grit to score and then sprint back on defense, it was indicative of the tone that Indiana had set that entire second half. Now, he eventually you know, was kind of off balance and ended up fouling the Iowa guy because he was running so hard to get back there. But I just thought that effort and that kind of attention to detail, it's, been, it's not that the effort has been missing, but sometimes the timeliness of it and the awareness of situation. You know, sometimes you don't have to sprint back, and sometimes you do. And that was one where he did, because his man was out in front of him, and he did it. And that kind of attention to detail and willingness to just do whatever it takes to win was a big part of the reason why Indiana played as they did. You can talk all you want about the shots falling, and that was obviously huge. And sometimes for Indiana, the shots have to fall for you to get that level of awareness. So maybe that was part of it. But I also thought, to your point, that the freshmen really came in and just gave energy. And that's a lot of times what you want freshmen to do. Um, so I thought both of those moments were really important for Indiana. Yeah, I think the energy is just what you want your bench to do in general, whether those are freshmen or anybody else. I think that's why Freddie McSwain and, and um, Zach McRoberts have been successful in stretches this year because they've brought that energy, and, and that's proven to be uh, really beneficial for IU. And I thought you talk about running the floor. I think Thomas Bryant did a really good job of that throughout the course of the game. Um, you know, got himself some easy buckets as a result, and if nothing else, just put pressure on the defense. I think that's something that uh, you know he's done well at times. I thought just consistently throughout the game, he was he was you know sprinting, really trying to get to a spot uh, and beat guys, you know, both offensively and defensively. All right, one more moment for you uh, here before we move on to talking about IU Wisconsin. So again, going back to the first half, you know, Indiana goes on this 9-0 run and they push the lead up to 17 to 13 after Iowa had taken the early advantage. Bohannon goes down, drains a three, kind of stops the momentum. So it's 17 to 16. And then on, it was either the next possession or one soon thereafter, Robert Johnson, who had airballed the long two, missed two free throws short, and you're kind of thinking, oh, no, this is going to be another bad Robert Johnson game, fired up a three and drained it. And that made it 20-16. to 16. And what it did is it kind of kept that momentum rolling. So instead of that Bohannon three kind of shifting everything back in Iowa's favor, that kept the momentum going for Indiana. And it started a three-point barrage, frankly, where Curtis Jones made one and then Devontae Green made one, and Robert ended up making one again, which is how Indiana built that 29 29- 19 lead and kind of showed early on, hey, we're going to be in control of this game, which obviously continued into the second half. And, you know, sometimes seeing a shot go down can lift everyone, not just the guy making it. And I really thought Robert's early three pointers got the ball rolling. He didn't do a whole lot of scoring after that, actually. He finished with eight points. But I thought seeing all the guys shoot so confidently after that, you know, again, seeing those threes go down from a guy like Robert was important for Indiana. Yeah, I'm looking back at the stretch you mentioned. Actually, Bohannon hit two threes in a row and put Iowa up 19 to 17, really stemmed the tide oh, of that they? IU run. Okay. And then you saw, so the first chance of three that you referenced put IU up 20 to 19. Then he hit another one uh, a minute or two later to put IU up 23 to 19. Devontae Green hit the three that I mentioned earlier that's 26 to 19. Curtis Jones hits a three that makes it 29 to 19. Um, so really started that. And then Jones hit one again a couple minutes later. But uh, yeah, I thought with, with Robert, I mean, those two threes, he had scored, I think, the first basket of the game for IU, hit those two threes, and then didn't score over the last 30 minutes of the game, but I thought really impacted it defensively. Um, but I, I agree with what you said. I think 
you know, we, we've talked about this team stars need to play like stars and, and having one of them in Robert Johnson, see a shot go down early after having some early struggles, I think kind of, uh, gave everybody else a little, you know, pep in their step and, and helped them to, you know, knock down, you know, the first of four straight threes to really push, uh, what was a one point deficit to a, uh, to an 11 point lead. Well, it was a big a win. Point lead. Apparently I'm not good at math. That's not, <laughs> no, not really a great quality. <laughs> Terrific. Great job. <laughs> well, it was a huge win for Indiana. Uh, certainly, it lifted everyone's spirits after you know that, that rough regular season, certainly in Big Ten play. And now it sets up a really important game tonight against Wisconsin. If Indiana wants to have any hopes of getting themselves back onto the bubble, uh, they certainly have to win this game against Wisconsin, continue marching forward in the Big Ten tournament. And so coming up, we are going to discuss the three biggest keys for Indiana to beat Wisconsin. That's next on the Assembly Call. Stay right here with us. You are listening to The Assembly Call, presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris, here talking IU hoops with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. He was able to join us for the second segment. Uh, Ryan, you may have to go back and listen to how I introduced you in the first segment. Uh, I don't want to spoil it here, but I did kind of let the cat out of the bag that we're in trade talks with Crimson Cast for you and a second-round pick in exchange for a fourth-round pick so we can get out from under your massive contract. Oh, yeah, I can't wait. Um, all right, so first segment, we talked about, uh, we reflected on the IU-Iowa game, talked about some really key plays that were easy to overlook. In this segment, let's look ahead. Let's look ahead to this game coming up against Wisconsin tonight. There are all kinds of reasons, you know, uh, that, that you can look at to say why Indiana fans shouldn't be excited. You know, Tom Crean's record against Wisconsin, the fact that they've beaten us twice this year, our history in the Big Ten tournament. We could go on and on. But let's talk Logic. about... Logic. I... Yeah, well, <laughs> yes. Okay, but... But there is some, there are some reasons for optimism, and and let's talk about some of the keys because if Indiana can do these things, they're going to have a really good shot tonight to get a win. And so let me kick this off. And this was actually uh, inspired by a tweet that Crimson Cast sent out earlier today. And as he said, what did Indiana? Why did Indiana win their last two games? And so he listed out the team's three point field goal percentages from the Northwestern loss onward: thirty eight, twenty eight, thirty five, thirty three. 21, 26, 34, 33, 36, 52, 60. So you can see the massive difference that it makes when Indiana shoots well from downtown. And I know, I know, it's like, yeah, what team doesn't play better when they shoot well from three-point range? But we've seen over the last several years for Indiana as a program under Tom Crean that they seem especially reliant on shooting well from downtown not just to score well, but just to play well. Andy, I mean, you and I talked about how maybe that's part of why the team played so spirited and played with such awareness last night, because shots went down early, and that seems to make everything go for this team. And, you know, if you look at the games Indiana played against Wisconsin, right, because included in that list was the second Wisconsin game, when Indiana lost by five points despite shooting seven of 20 from downtown. That's 35%. In the first Wisconsin game, Indiana was just five of 15. That's 33%. Now, look back to last year when Indiana beat Wisconsin, which only the second time in Tom Crean's tenure, the Hoosiers are 7 of 17 from downtown, 41.2%. So if you're looking for a reason for optimism, Wisconsin has not defended the three very well this year. They've given up 37.8% from downtown. And you have to wonder if maybe Indiana is in for a bit of positive regression 
against the Badgers, you know, because they shot below their season average and below what Wisconsin typically gives up. And just one or two made threes in each of those games makes a difference on the scoreboard, not to mention the difference that it might have made just in Indiana's attention to detail and energy and all of that stuff. So maybe if Indiana can carry over the good shooting from the last couple of games and you get a bit of regression toward the mean for Wisconsin and Indiana season averages, you make a couple more threes, that can be the difference against a team that you've played pretty tightly this year. So that's my first key. And I know it's a fairly obvious one, but I just wanted to highlight why it's so important and why there's a reason for hope legitimately in the numbers why Indiana should shoot better tonight. Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, it goes back to you know, movement off the ball and, and ball movement itself. But I, I think in the game against Ohio State, I think that was much improved. Part of that was Ohio State not really having a great interest in playing defense. And you could argue the same uh, about the Iowa game. But I think, you know, you started to see Juwan Morgan getting baskets off of, you know, baseline cuts. And we talked about this in the postgame show, kind of the Troy things that Troy Williams and Will Sheehy would, would do to get easy baskets. Uh, and that kind of cut makes the defense react overall and opens up opportunities on the outside. And the other thing is, you know, Tom Crean, I heard talk in the postgame about James Blackman Jr. moving off the ball. that He had done a better job, but there's still opportunities for him as they go back and look at the film for uh, for him to do an even better job of that. And a team like Wisconsin uh, is is sound defensively as it is. And if you stand around, uh, you become really easy for them or anybody else to guard. So uh, I think being able to put pressure on them by having a lot more hard cuts off the ball become uh, becomes a huge factor in getting open threes, not just getting threes um, that we know this team is going to going to take. And and the other thing that stood out, talked about this uh, last night as well. Every point IU score either came in the paint, behind the three point line, or at the free throw line, which is uh, you know kind of ultimate scenario for how this team would like to play. Uh, hardly ever achievable, but uh, you know that was something they were able to do. And I think it just shows that they were you know taking smart shots, getting what they wanted within the offense. And uh, to the extent we see similar numbers to that. Tonight, I think that would bode well. Ryan, you are on record as saying that Wisconsin is your second favorite team to root for after Indiana. So what? <laughs> oh yeah, love Wisconsin. What's love your uh, what's your what's your key to victory? I believe yours goes to the other side of the ball, right? Yeah, I think I think the key is making Nigel Hayes a jump shooter. I, I think that if if he's able to get easy buckets in the paint, I think Bronson Canning's gonna gonna get his ten to fifteen points. I think Ethan Happ's gonna get his. 10 to 15 points. Uh, I, I think the key is keeping Nigel Hayes away from the basket and, and making him a jump shooter. He shoots 44% from the field. Uh, that drops considerably. I don't know the numbers in front of him. It drops considerably away from the paint. Um, he's not a great jump shooter. He falls in love with his jump shot uh, occasionally and will have long stretches and Having lived in Wisconsin, I know a lot of Wisconsin fans, that drives them absolutely nuts. So I'm fine with seeing Wisconsin fans go crazy uh, tonight and, and driven crazy. I think that'd be a lot of fun to see. Uh, but I, I think you just have to move him away from the hoop. And, and you have to make him keep him off the free throw line because he draws he, he against Indiana. He tends to draw a lot of fouls. Uh, and make him a jump shooter. And I, I think that's the key. And then rebound, of course. I mean, if you get a guy like that shooting uh, from, you know, 10 to 15 feet, you've got to be able to rebound and keep them off the glass as well. And it makes it easier when you've got a guy like that away from the hoop. Uh, so I would say um, that's my key. I think obviously, you know, the fouls are going to be a big deal. Keeping Hap, you know, from getting Thomas Bryan and Deron Davis into foul trouble will be big. But 
I think my biggest is, yeah, keeping Nigel Hayes away from the hoop on offense and, and, and making him a jump shooter. Uh, got some numbers to back up your point. Nigel Hayes, 30.6% from downtown this year. Uh, he's at, and he's only shooting 47.7% on twos. Interestingly, as a free throw shooter, he's only at 58.4%. So he's taken 190 of them, only made 111. Now, I agree with you. You can't just let him parade to the line because the volume uh, will make up for the lack of efficiency. And plus, you're racking up fouls. Um, but I, well, and you can't risk that he might get hot for a stretch right. like he did last year against Indiana. So, I, I, yeah, I, 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 I think that's the thing is, is, is not fouling on defense, essentially. Um, but I think in there is keeping Nigel Hayes away from the hoop. I think that's I think it's a pretty basic uh, basic principle and make him a jump shooter. Yep. All right, uh, Andy, let's go to your key for victory tonight for Indiana against Wisconsin. It is uh, slowing down Ethan Happ for me. Uh, you look back at the two games these teams have played so far this season. Happ was a combined uh, 16 of 21 from the floor, made eight field goals in both games, total of 39 points, uh, and really you know, gave IU fits inside and, and what we've seen from other teams with him defensively uh, of late. I know the Northwestern game that they lost at home was one of the first that I remembered uh, a team doing this as frequently is it, it, people have just been aggressively running doubles at him uh, and making him play out of it and, and seeing if they can get him to make mistakes uh, or take tougher shots. And it has been relatively effective. Um, if you just kind of go through his, his offensive ratings in the games uh, of late that they have not, that Wisconsin hasn't fared well in, uh, and, and by the same token, you look at his, you know, two of his top five uh, offensive ratings from an efficiency standpoint in Big Ten play have come against IU. So how are they able to, to make him uncomfortable, not let him uh, you know, get what he wants on offense? And the flip side of that is to really, even if it's not to get him in foul trouble, but to put a lot of pressure on him defensively. We, we saw Deron Davis have success in the game against IU where IU was running everything through Deron at one point in that game. Uh, Jerron played well, albeit in limited minutes in the second game, uh, I think with eight points and, you know, 13, 15 minutes in that one. So uh, hopefully the, the Deron Davis that showed up last night is able to show up again uh, today. And I think that can, you know, put pressure on Hap, maybe get him in foul trouble, at the very least really make him work uh, on that end of the floor. And, and I think that to me, if they can get him more in the, you know, away from the 20 point range and down in the 12 to 14 range, shave those points off him, make other guys try to beat you. Uh, and really make him uncomfortable and force him into some turnovers. I think that becomes pretty uh, pretty key. Do you do you foresee Indiana running you know some kind of double, some kind of really aggressive defense on Hap? Because we've seen them do that in the past. Like last year when when Purdue came to Bloomington, we saw Indiana really defend them that way, uh, and it was effective. The problem is, you know, Indiana doesn't always make great choices at you know who to leave for a double team, that kind of thing. And we saw it last night. You know, even Devonte Green leaving Bohannon uh, for that wide open three. So you got to really be careful there about who you're leaving if you're going to double. Yeah, I think it'll be telling what they do from a, a scouting standpoint in terms of you know who they're willing to leave. I have to think they're going to double off of him or they're going to double onto him uh, because we've seen that a little bit more with them, as you mentioned in the Purdue game. Uh, I think if you watch how other teams have been successful against Wisconsin, I don't know how you could come to a different conclusion that, that you'd want to defend him any differently. So, you know, Vito Brown has not shot the ball well uh, from three-point range this year. He's a guy that you feel like you could probably help off of. Uh, Showalter has actually shot it pretty well, and, and Caning we know is dangerous. So I think if you're going to help off of somebody, it's probably Vito Brown, um, and, and a guard may end up guarding him. So maybe that's a Robert Johnson coming down and trying to you know scrape at the ball uh, a little bit. But I, I'd be surprised if IU doesn't do that for at least some portion of the game. All right, you're listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips wrapping up as we look at this Indiana-Wisconsin game coming up tonight. All right, guys, we don't really do our bold predictions anymore 
but let's get into that. And actually, Andy, you have one other point that'll be really important uh, in, in deciding this outcome tonight. Let's get to that first. Yeah, if I had a, if I had a bonus key to the game, I would say it's you know getting off to a quick start. That that sounds obvious, but uh, in the games against Wisconsin, IU has really struggled with that. In the game against Bloomington, I think it was I want to say it was like 12, 14 to nothing, or yeah. uh, they got into a double digit hole pretty quickly. Whatever whatever it was, I've tried to block it out. Uh, and then even against Wisconsin at at the Cole Center, they were down about they were down double digits by the midway point of the first half. And so, uh, in a game against a team that you've struggled with to come out and get behind them again, uh, I think really starts to to put some you know pressure on this this team and the, the here we go again uh, type of attitude. And I think we've talked about this team uh, being somewhat fragile at times this season. And so you know getting into that hole uh, is it something that they can bounce back from and overcome? Hopefully we don't have to find out, but uh, I, I think that's another one where if IU come out and make shots, and hopefully the fact that IU has played a game uh, in the arena already has you know kind of got a, a good feel for what the shooting background really is and and how to do that. Hopefully that enables them to uh, to be able to actually do that. Well, I've basically already gone on record saying that I think Indiana is going to win this game. Uh, Ryan, do you want to make any bold predictions about uh, about what's going to happen tonight? Do I really want to? No, because those have been really bad this year. No, I, I do think that Indiana's got some momentum right now. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see them come out uh, well and play well. Uh, I don't know if they're going to win. Wisconsin has not been playing well lately. Uh, it's a very different Wisconsin team that we've seen in the past. Very sloppy. So it wouldn't shock me if Indiana won this game. Um, I also don't think that if they win that that necessarily puts them in the NCAA tournament yet. So uh, I'm not the I'm not the uh, the bracketologist though. You'll have to ask the guy across from me. Yeah. So real quick before we get out of here, Andy, what does a win tonight mean for Indiana? Uh, doesn't put them into me. Probably puts them in the first four out with a chance to improve upon that against uh, either Maryland or Northwestern, another tournament caliber team on uh, on Saturday, which is what you want to give yourself at this point. It's better to be playing than not to be playing at this point if you want to if you want to work your way there. So uh, I think puts them in that first four out. Doesn't put them in in my estimation. No, no question. Well, as a final thought, make sure whatever you did yesterday, whatever you ate, whatever you thought, do it again tonight. There is no reason to tempt fate with the vengeful gods of the Big Ten tournament uh, in, in, in mind. So do whatever you did. Let's go get another big victory tonight for the Hoosiers. And that will do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. Make sure you join us at assemblycall.com after the IU-Wisconsin game for our postgame show, or you can subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. Our thanks to Hoosier Proud for sponsoring this episode. Go to hoosierproud.com and use the promo code AC for 15% off, and thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Avoid upfront fees that cripple businesses with IBM Cloud. Bare Metal on IBM Cloud rents out dedicated servers by the hour or month. Customize over 11 million different configurations. Deploy on demand. Get unlimited inbound bandwidth. Plus 24-7 support and 20 terabytes of outbound bandwidth cost-free. And when's the last time you checked IBM Cloud bare metal prices? They're now more comparable than ever. The better bare metal is IBM Cloud. Visit ibm.biz slash bare metal servers today and see for yourself. 
Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.